Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. We're actually finishing this series uh, we've called Breaking Free. We've done it for the last uh, six weeks, or five weeks, excuse me, five weeks. Has this been helpful for you? Put your hands together if this has been helpful. God's been speaking. I love it, and if, I, if it's okay, I know we've got some people here for the first time, so just to kind of catch everybody up in the room, uh, this series, what we've been talking about is really freedom, this idea of freedom, and yet I know for you and, and definitely for me, when I think about freedom, it's just not, it's not my most like, uh, pressing need or my, my, it doesn't make my top five list of, of my, you know, this is the biggest need I have in my life. Most of us, for most of our lives, we're just not focusing on freedom that much, unless we've got uh, an addiction we're trying to conquer. We've, we've kind of been faced with something that, that's pretty hard. Most of the time, freedom, we just don't even consider being that important. We would say it's important for sure, but we just don't focus on it a lot. And that's what's so interesting is because Jesus made a huge deal about how much each of us, all of us, every person needs freedom, and really that he came to, to lead us into that freedom. And we're just so convinced. We have a, a big passion to believe that following Jesus, while it absolutely includes some eternal uh, realities, that's not what it's all about. Following Jesus is not just about heaven. Following Jesus is about here and now. Following Jesus, uh, really what he wants to do is lead us into a life where we are free from anything and free from everything that he wants us to experience. And so that's what this series has been about, is really looking at that. In fact, one of the things that Jesus, Jesus said, um, Jay-Z did not say that, but I don't know if you heard. <laughs> is he part of the halftime show? I don't, I don't anyways, um, same era. All right, one of the things that Jesus said that I think was a really bold claim, just to take it, is he said this. He says, listen, if you hold to my teachings, then you're really my followers. That's what the word disciples means. And that's when you'll know the truth. And here's the power of the truth. The truth is the power to set you free. And this kind of this big idea that Jesus, when you start looking at what he taught, this is really so central to everything that he taught and he spoke about. In fact, he kind of declared this. He said, listen, if you're going to believe this, here's, here's the truth. If, if your freedom is going to come from the truth, then what you must recognize is that your bondage comes from a lie. Your bondage comes from some untruth, something that you believe or something that you value, something that leads you, and it tends to distort reality for you. It tends to distract you from chasing the right things. It can even cause you to chase the wrong things, and you end up in a place where you are in bondage, where you are controlled by something, a lie, an untruth, something that is not reality. And Jesus came to really expose that and blow that out of the water. So what we've done is we've taken some time over the last few weeks to speak about different lies that we can all wrestle with, different kind of lies or untruths that, that cause us to get distracted and that cause us to get kind of misdirected in our lives. And really what we want to do is help you find freedom as you follow Jesus and just what he says and what his words are. And so I'm excited for this week. We're going to finish this series off talking about an area where I think every person in the entire world, on the entire planet, in every generation, young or old, it does not matter. I think we all need freedom from this area. I, I, and you'll see it in a minute. I think this, this um, 
issue, I won't say issue, I think this topic, what we're going to talk about, it comes up a lot when you and I, sometimes we ask a question, the question of enough, right? Like, do I have enough? Did we do enough? Are we doing enough? Is this enough? Am I enough? Is this enough? And we can ask that question in a lot of different uh, you know, realms of life. We can ask the question of enough in a lot of different life stages. I mean, you can ask this question uh, when you're in, uh, I mean, when you're going into retirement, do we do enough? Do we save enough? Have we, have we made the right decisions? And you can make this decision when you're getting ready for that, uh, you know, your annual review with your boss and you're saying, man, did I do enough? Did I, did I, what, has, have I done enough? Are we, am I enough? Is this right? You know, when you're, when you're up, when you're trying to figure out that college that you're going to go to where middle school, middle school, I think is a world where we all ask this question, right? I remember we have a middle schooler right now. Um, she's in sixth grade, but I remember in seventh grade, I had six Nike t-shirts, six of them. That's right. One more than five because there were five days in a school week. And so uh, this is how much I wondered if I had done enough, planned enough, or was enough. I had a paper calendar for each month, and I would write which Nike shirt I wrote on, I wore on which, don't judge me, but I wrote it down on each day, and then I wanted to make sure that it was six days from where I wore it again. Anybody there? So like, that was my, there, there you go. Like you could, three months from now, if I was in seventh grade, you'd know what I was wearing. It was, but I was seriously, I was just, driven to make sure I had done enough and planned enough to make sure my friends didn't say, man, have you washed that shirt? Isn't that funny? Um, anyways, I think, I think when we ask the question enough, I think sometimes it's coming from a great place of wanting to be wise and wanting to be prudent and wanting to make sure that we're on the right track. I think all that's good. But I also know that sometimes the question of enough is driven from another place. It's not so genuine, actually. But it's from a place of insecurity. And I'll just speak for me. I know there are times when I'm asking this question or when I'm motivated to do more because I haven't done enough or I'm motivated to have more because I don't have enough. And, and I might put a mask on personally that, to say, hey, I've, I'm just doing this to be wise, to be prudent. But if I'm honest with myself, underneath that mask is really a face of insecurity. And it is driving me to obtain enough. If I can just get personal with that, every year I feel like uh, I just kind of, Hannah and I, we take some time to pray and seek God and say, okay, what's the, God, what do you want to speak to us about this year? Is there something we just need to be aware of? And the word that God gave me this year was so funny, was the word secure. And I thought, well, that's funny. Um, and, and I, I kind of let God speak to me about it because I didn't think secure was that big a deal. But, you know, what's crazy is secure is the opposite of insecure, which was not what I thought. I thought the opposite of insecure was confident or the opposite of insecure was determined or the opposite of insecure was, um, you know, was secure. It was not security. I, I, watch it. Uh, it was, uh, I thought the opposite of insecurity was, was my own discipline, my own control. Does that make sense? And God said, no, 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 I want you to focus on finding security. And he began to speak to me about some of my insecurities. Some of my insecurities that are really driven by a lie, something belief, something underneath. That insecurity can drive me to do things I never wanted to do and drive me to become someone I never thought I'd become. 
And I am convinced that if you looked at your life's biggest regrets, if you were honest, you could look underneath that decision or underneath that behavior and you could see an insecurity. And you could see something that was driving you and pushing you from a place of being insecure and feeling insecure. And, and when we're insecure, we all truly, we look for, this is going to blow your mind, but we look for a place to be secure, right? You're welcome. Let's pray and we'll go home. No, we all look for that. We look for a place to be secure. We'll look for it in a lot of different ways. Mo- uh, many of us, we've looked for it in, in financial security. Like, well, if I, just, if I will just uh, accumulate enough wealth, I will be secure. Or maybe we look at it in a, an accumulation of knowledge. I just need to know more. I need to know more than everybody else in the room. Or maybe it, it's, it's about a network. It's about the people I know. It's about the connections I have. We look to, for security in lots of different ways. Maybe we just look for security in a, in a place with lack of conflict. Like, I will have enough when there is no conflict in my life. Like, that's just what, that's when I will be secure. We, we look for security in places, and yet, come on, you know it, and I know it. Uh, we, we, we look for places sometimes, like I have, in self-determination, self-discipline, self-sufficiency, self-dependency. But you know it. I know it. None of those things are secure, Right? And what's even worse, none of those things are an answer for insecurity. I mean, you know people who have such access to wealth and they are so insecure. You know people who can be the smartest person in the room and the most insecure person in the room. You may know people, or we may be people, who are the most disciplined and self-determined and successful in the room, and yet we are still the most insecure in the room. When you are wrestling with insecurity, and it's so tricky, we all know this, because when it's there, it's hard to see. When it's there, it's hard to recognize that it's really pushing you forward. It's pushing you more than you realize. It's pushing you to do things and to become someone you never thought, you never wished. If you would write a paper about it, you'd say you'd never do it. But in life, in the moment, that insecurity has more power than you realize. And when we're in that place, when we are feeling the tension of insecurity, right there is where we need to truly find the, the place What is the place? Is there a place? Is there an answer for your insecurity and for my insecurity? Is there something? Is there someone? Is there something that can make us secure? And what I hope today is I really hope that as we finish this series, that I can just give you the answer. I truly believe in. I don't say that all the time. I, I try to watch my sweeping statements, but I am convinced I'll give my life on it that this is the answer for your insecurities and mine. That this is the answer for for how you can live a life secure. And what I believe is the life you were meant to experience in the first place. And I'm also convinced that you already know this answer. That it's something that comes from the Bible. It's very familiar. In fact, your grandmother may have it stitched on her pillows. Uh, You may see this on coffee mugs or see this hanging on walls. This is something that most of us know. Even if you're not a a Jesus follower or you haven't grown up in church, you've probably heard this somewhere. And so it's not the, the issue isn't that we don't know the answer. The issue is whether or not we believe the answer. 
And whether or not we're willing to put our feet on this solid ground when we're feeling insecure. And so I'm hoping today to, that you can just have a moment where God can speak to you about an insecurity and really lead you to discover or maybe rediscover the life and the secure life that he wants for you. If that's good, say bueno. Great. Love it. So let me show you where this is in Scripture. As I said, it comes from the Bible. It's actually written thousands of years ago. And, and the man who penned this, these words, he's someone who probably had more reason to feel afraid and insecure than probably any of us. Like, whatever your worst story is, I will stack it up against his life and what's been written down about his life, and I bet he wins. I mean, this guy was overlooked and underestimated his entire life, especially his early life. And then when he finally began to, to gain some recognition and some notability in his career, he experienced the worst kind of betrayal you could imagine. I mean, from, from people who were supposed to be right in his, in his, on his team, people who were supposed to be for him, cheering him on, championing him, from the people above him to the people below him, he was getting undercut everywhere. And there were days when he lost everything. He lost all of his relationships, all of his friendships. He had to run from his family. He lost all of his financial wealth and accumulation that he had acquired all gone in a day. He found himself hiding out in caves, literally hiding for his life. He experienced such raw fear and such raw insecurity. I mean, I, I just think our life, most of us, we're so insulated, we've rarely had that kind of emotion. And it was really in that state when he was trying to calm the anxiety in the mind and really try to still his soul that he wrote these words that thousands, thousands of years later, humans from every country in the world recognize these words and they find comfort and truth and peace there. Incredible. And I bet you know them. In fact, I'd love to just put this up here and you can fill this up. It's from a psalm in the Old Testament. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. So we expect shepherd, and we expect this to say the Lord is my shepherd. But you know what's crazy is that everyone else who lived around David during this time, they did not expect the word shepherd. In fact, that's so shocking. And, and if you take into account the time that David lived and the place that he lived, he lived in the ancient Middle East. If you take that into account, that's really what makes this word kind of strange and kind of honestly reveals its power. As I said, David, he lived thousands of years ago. He um, is one, actually one of the, the, one of the most historically um, represented and, and well-known and documented uh, leaders in, in ancient history. He lived in ancient, uh, the ancient Middle East. And one of the things in that time for people who lived there, when they were looking for security, really, let me say it this way. When people uh, wanted to communicate that God was secure, whatever God they worshipped, whether it was the God of the Jews or a different God, they would use words that kind of represented what was naturally in their context. So think of the, think of the ancient Middle East. It's desert, yes, but it's also t super rocky and mountainy. And so a lot of times, even in our Old Testament, what, what's in a Christian Bible, the Old Testament, the most common metaphors for God's strength and his security is words like, 
God is my rock and my fortress. God is, um, God is a high place. He is, he is, uh, he is the, a fortress. That I can, he's a refuge I can run to. Those are the kind of metaphors that people lean into. And that makes sense because it was super relatable for the people there. See, in, in that time, if you were looking for a home, you did not care what the school system was like. You did not care how close it was to the highway. You cared how tall the walls were around the town. You cared how high the town was placed on that mountaintop because from that place, from a high place that was well fortified, that's where your family would be safe. Safe from raiders. Safe from invading nations. Safe, not the Los Angeles raiders. I didn't get that until just now. Um, but now that name makes a lot of sense. Okay, so safe from raiders, from invading nations, safe from wildlife that would literally take all your food and take your children and take your life. Like, that's what you chose. And when you found that town, when you found that home, people would literally build their homes into the rock of the mountain because security and safety was the number one concern they all had. And so for them, that's, that's what it looked like. And you, there's no way you would leave that place. Because if you left the security of that walled and fortified town, if you left that security, you were completely in a realm of the unknown. Unknown danger, unknown risk. There was no police. There was no cell coverage. There was no map to lead you to to water or to food. There was no weather forecast to protect you from oncoming and immediately, uh, these immediate sandstorms that would literally take people's life. They would just, they would get them caught up and they, they disappear. They'd get lost. They, they would get disoriented. Like you didn't have any of that. If you were going to venture out of the town, you were going to be in a realm of such risk and danger. And David knew that. And actually, David himself, he, he wrote this word about a shepherd because David was a shepherd. And something he knew is that when you were a shepherd and you left the town and you were with these sheep and you had nothing, there was no backup. There was no security around. It was just the shepherd. And as far as the sheep were concerned, no matter what they faced, no matter where they went or where they traveled, if the shepherd was there, they were safe. If the shepherd was there, they were secure. If the shepherd was there, they didn't have anything to worry about. I mean, they're sheep anyway. But really, the shepherd was their only source of security. And David knew that. And he had this life experience that reminded him of a security that he had seen in others. And, and, and he reminded himself, you know what, the Lord is my shepherd. But he didn't just use this term, the Lord, in a way that, you know, is kind of generic. For us, it's translated as Lord, but actually the, the name that David uses is a very specific name here. It's the name Yahweh. If you're not familiar with that, uh, when God first revealed himself to Moses, you might know Moses, prince of Egypt, and uh, right, and he delivers uh, these Israelites from slavery in Egypt, and there's these crazy stories and everything. Before all that began, when God first called out Moses, and he said, Moses, I want to lead you, say my people, he gave them the name. Moses said, well, who am I going to tell these, these slaves, these Israelites, who, do they, who sent me? How do they know that, that I'm not just doing this on my own? He said, give them this name, the name Yahweh. It means I am that I am. 
And let me break that down for you because I have no idea what that means when I read that normally. I am that I am. What that means is uh, when God chose to reveal himself to humanity and give himself a name, it's the first time he gave himself a name. When God chose to do that, here's what he said. I am the being who is self-sustaining, who is self-existing, who does not depend on anything or anyone else. He said that I'm the God that, listen, I'm the God who is all-powerful, who's all-knowing. I literally have the power of life within myself. I am that I am. I am present tense. I am here. I am the God who is perfect in power. And that's so funny. You know, I, I think when I'm feeling insecure, I try to be all those things. Like, I try to claim that name. Well, I'm insecure, so I'm going to choose to be um, all-powerful, all-knowing. I'm going to choose to run into becoming uh, self-sufficient, self-sustaining. I don't need you. I don't need these. I don't need that. I can just do it on my, anybody else in insecurities. Isn't it so funny? But no one, you know what? No one can get there. It doesn't matter how much we strive. We cannot obtain that name. That name can only be claimed by God himself. He's perfect in power, but he's perfectly pure. He is perfectly true. He's perfectly loving and good. It's so crazy that he can freely and does freely pour out his goodness on you and me as much as he wants, as much as he wants, because he's unlimited. And I wrestle with the question, am I enough? I wrestle with the question, have I done enough? Do I have what it takes God never wrestles with that question. He is unlimited. He is fully, perfectly pure and good. But he's not just perfectly powerful. He is perfectly personal. He's perfectly personal. What's crazy, and I know this stretches our minds, but just hang with me. God also revealed that he is not just one, but he's three in one. We use the word trinity, but what God was communicating is he's in constant relationship. And, and I just want you to imagine for a minute, just imagine the most vibrant, attractive, um, fun personality that you could be around and you just get a glimpse. I mean, multiply that by unlimited and you get a glimpse of what God is in, what God had before time began, what he is in right now, and what he will be in forever. And what's so crazy is that he invites you and he invites me to opt into that party whenever we want. God is in perfect relationship, and he's shown himself to be personal. And the invitation of Scripture Old Testament and New Testament is not just to know enough evidence about a God who could exist so that you can have faith in him. The invitation of scripture is not just so that you could hear from someone else what they have taught and what they have said who God is. The invitation of scripture is that you could know God, that you could know God personally and perfectly, that you could know him as intimately as you know anything else. In scripture, these are the words that we see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You can learn to hear and to recognize his voice. You can sense God's presence in the room with you, just like you can sense that you are not alone in a room. You know that sense? You can have that same awareness 
of the God who created everything you see and everything you don't. The God who is so much bigger than you. The God who is self-sustaining and self-existing. He invites you to know him personally. And that's why David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. He's not the shepherd. He's not a shepherd that could work in certain circumstances. He's the only shepherd. And he's my shepherd. And because of that, I shall not want. And it's not that there's two two, um, meanings behind the English word shall. One is like, I shall have shut the cabinet doors. Like, I should have done that, right? Like, I, sh- I shall have um, put the, the toilet seat down. Um, that's like a sense of, like, a burden on me of something I should have done, right? Y'all get that? That's not what this one is. This is the other meaning of shall. Here's what it means. It says, I will not ever need a want. I shall not want is this idea. There's nothing that I could imagine or think of that I would need that God could not provide for me. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's no fear I face that I have to worry about. There's no insecurity that he cannot find security for. It doesn't matter. Even if I walk through the valley of the darkest shadow, even if there's this long shadow in my life of depression or a long shadow in my life of oppression or addiction, it doesn't matter because this God, he's my shepherd and he can see me through. This God, it doesn't matter what I've faced for years and years. It doesn't matter how deep the wound in my heart. This God can heal me. This God can free me. This God is with me. And he can be my shepherd. Come on, give him some praise. And what I think is so, so profound is that really what's so profound about Jesus is that Jesus, he attributed to himself over and over again that he had the power, the same power as this God. Jesus attributed to himself the same names, the same brands, everything, the same authority of this God, Yahweh. Jesus said things like, for just as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted me, the Son, also to have life in himself. Jesus said things like, if you have seen me, then you have seen this God. Jesus also said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus also said that, man, God has such a deep compassion for you. That he chose to send Jesus, this son, into the world. Not to condemn you. And not to just leave you wasting away in your fear, in your worry, and in your anxiety, and in your insecurity. But to save you from that kind of life. To save you from living just enwrapped in your insecurity. And to put you in a place where you are firm and secure. And you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. 
where you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I know him personally. And it's not that I have some blind faith. No, this is rooted and founded and grounded on a God who is real, on a God who is self-existing and self-sustaining, on a God who is perfectly pure, perfectly true. He sees you right now where you are. He sees every moment of your life, every pain you've ever experienced, every day that you will face. He sees it all and he knows you and he's inviting you, come and know me personally. I can be your good shepherd. I can be the shepherd that is with you and you don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be insecure because I'm here because I'm your shepherd because I am enough. And so you don't have to be afraid. So what do you do with that? Like if that's really true and if that's really the invitation from Jesus to know this God personally. What do you do with that? I really just want to give you one thing to do. And you can do it this week. In fact, I'd encourage you to do it this week, but we might even have a moment to do it here together. But I also just want to invite you just really this, just to take this and let it kind of sit in your heart and in your mind about what this could do. The one thing to do this week is just become brutally honest. Brutally honest. Brutally honest about your insecurity. And the next time you feel that insecurity kind of flaring up, don't don't mask up Pay attention to what you want to run to for security. Be brutally honest, though. I, what is this? I mean, it's something like this. Just, and man, I just, I'm feeling insecure right now with this person or in this situation. Or, man, I just, just brutally honest. Where did this come from? Why am I feeling this way? Brutally honest about your insecurity. But please don't stop there. Be brutally honest in that space. And invite God into it. God does not need you to mask up and to fix yourself so you can be with him. No, God actually would rather you just take all the walls down, take off that mask, and stand right there and say, God, I'm I'm insecure right here, and I invite you in. And here's here's my prayer for you. Like I said, this is <laughs> this is my goal for this year. It's just to do this. <laughs> like, that's it. If I can do that this year, I win. I think the, the, what's so incredible about this invitation is every, every time you feel insecure, it becomes an opportunity for you to actually know who God is and how secure he is. And not just because I've told you about it. Not just because you can read it in a book, but because you in that place can know him personally. Tested. Proven. God, I'm feeling so insecure, but right here, I'm going to put my feet on nothing else but you. Invite you in right here. And my prayer 
My prayer is that if you would have the courage, if I would have the courage to do that. And I know this is big, so please hear me. I just think, though, that this is the word of the Lord. My prayer for you is if you'd have the courage to begin standing there, you would discover a life without fear. A life without need. A life that you were meant to experience from the beginning. Because when the Lord becomes your shepherd, God is with you. And He is enough. And you don't have to be afraid. You bow your heads with me. I just want to pray over you. Because as I said, this is a lot to know. You can know a lot of this information, but man, God's invitation is not just to an to accumulate some knowledge, but he's saying, hey, opt into this. He's not going to force it on you, but he wants to invite you. Come on, you can know me. And I'm speaking to the Jesus follower in the room. You might have been going to church your whole life, decades, and yet there's still places of insecurity that drive you. God's inviting you. Know me in that place. There are relationships in your family, for some of you, where insecurity is, I mean, it just takes control when you're in that space. And God's saying, I want you to know me there. I want you to know me there. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.